Welcome everyone to Just Crypto. My name is Vanessa. We've got a fantastic show today. We're going to be talking about White Whale. We're going to be talking about uh, some really interesting uh, protocols that are in the cosmos. And we've got a, a wonderful show and a wonderful guest here today. Uh, before we get started, I do just want to remind everyone that uh, this is a show where you can learn more and FOMO less. So put your wallet away, put your thinking cap on. We're going to get to some great topics. Uh, but none of this is financial advice. Neither Sencom nor myself are financial advisors. Um, so if you are here uh, watching us live, we do love to engage with folks who are live. If you have any questions, if you have any comments as we're going, uh, just drop a hi down below. Let us know who's here. Uh, we've already got Maslin. Let's go. Um, yeah, excited to have uh, you all here. And with that, let's introduce the man of the hour, uh, Sencom. Sencom is the Chief Technology Officer of White Whale. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, everybody in the audience. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I really like your introduction. Uh, you know, FOMO less. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not one of those shows where we're going to tell you about the next 100x gym because, uh, yeah, that works out badly for everyone involved. Um, we're, we're not? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, just get started. Uh, I like it. Yeah, so I, it's great to have you. One of the things that we love to do is to give, give folks a chance to get to know you a little bit better as a human, right? So the, the goal here is to have mm -hmm. these honest conversations with creators, builders, and artists within the crypto ecosystem and really kind of leverage uh, the awesome stuff that you've done. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Sencom. Like, how did you get started in this crazy world called crypto? How did you kind of dis discover your path to actually building dApps within the crypto ecosystem? Sure. So I'm, I'm a German citizen. I'm a computer scientist by academics. I used to work in AI. Um, I used to work for a large research company um, that's focused on computer vision, so for autonomous driving. But for some reason, I stumbled across crypto a couple of years ago. And I think it was DVPN. It's, it's like some decentralized v virtual private network. Um, blockchain that's in the cosmos and I somehow stumbled upon them back in the days when they were still on Ethereum and my journey began there and it started all as a hobby but it, it took up more and more time and I think two or two or three years ago I started to get more serious and here I am now. I, I, you're the first person I've spoken to who's actually come in uh, through a different path that wasn't like Bitcoin or Ethereum or, or the traditional ones. Uh, did you eventually pivot to, to Bitcoin or did you go straight from DVPN to you know places in the cosmos? So my journey was straight from DVPN into the cosmos. And then I, I got Akash. I remember the first day of Osmosis. And there was a crazy launch party. I remember that. And that, by the way, led me to building my my first um, arbitrage bot on Osmosis. And just as a side note, so at that time, there was really no competition of arbitrage trading on Osmosis. And there was one time where my trading bot was doing, I think, 20,000 transactions a day, which was, you know, depending on the day, half of the total Osmosis trading volume. So oh. that was crazy fast. <laughs> but anyways, just a side note. So... Um, but obviously, you know, once you you get more into crypto, you see the value in Bitcoin and Ethereum and a couple of players outside of the Cosmos ecosystem. So um, without going into more of my financial situation, um, I'm... Awesome. No, that, that, that's fantastic. And I, I, I love that you were there at the launch of Osmosis, kind of a true OG. Um, Want to stop and say hi to a few more folks who've, who've popped in. Uh, 
Buzzer balloons, ride the whale. <laughs> Maslin, ride the whale. I, I think this must be the, the tagline for everyone. We've got Mr. Windmills right. here. <laughs> and Nick, the Sincom uh, fan club is all here. So welcome. It's it's great to have you here. Um, so, you know, yeah. some folks in, in uh, watching right now may not be familiar with the history of white whale. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it ran into an iceberg at some point. Can you talk us through, like, what did white whale used to be? What was that experience like? Uh, you know, back in May of last year, and, and and how did you kind of get the fortitude to re, re, rebirth yourselves as white whale now mm. uh, in the cosmos? Well, so the history of white whale started um, almost two years ago. It was at that time where Sebastian, our founder, who was a very active and early adopter of um, you know, the lunar ecosystem and the UST, and um, he decided to build a project around protecting the UST bag. So ironically, what he did was he built an open source arbitrage protocol where everybody can take flash loans and ARP Luna against UST and by this, you know, protect UST pack. And the idea was, was noble. It was a great idea. But at the end of the day, um, we had, I think, 40 million TVL and the whole ecosystem had 40 billion in TVL. So that wasn't enough, um, but nevertheless, um, it taught us some valuable lessons. We were live on mainnet for a couple of months. We had a large TVL. We had we pioneered flash loans in, in the Cosmos ecosystem. So a bunch of very nice achievements there. And then the crash happened, um, unfortunately. And a lot of people got wrecked. A lot of um, builders left the ecosystem. They just, you know, took advantage of the chaos and ran away with the money. But we decided, you know, let's not do this. So everybody got together and thought, all right, what, what's next? What can we do? What do we have? What knowledge do we have? What technology do we have? And where can we build from there? And we doubled down on this interchain vision, you know, that there's going to be more than just a single blockchain in the world. And as you get more blockchains, you got some, you know, some problems coming along with that market inefficiencies, capital inefficiencies, and that's where we decided to um, build a solution for. Now, did you ever consider moving outside of the cosmos, or was the cosmos your home even after the collapse? Well, it still is our home. I mean, we have our Cosmos SDK blockchain, we have our application live on five chains, so it is by all means our the home of White Whale and the community. Um, Regarding your question, have we considered moving outside of the cosmos? Yes, and we're actually pursuing that path because we have our chain, the Migalu chain, but we also have the White Whale Interchain Protocol. And that one is truly chain agnostic. We can build this on different chains. And we're in conversation with Landslide, who's an avalanche subnet, and Composable Finance, which is um, Polkadot, um, parachain and we intend to launch on both that's fantastic i love the kind of really leaning into the, the multi-chain feature uh but there's a couple concepts and words that you mentioned that maybe folks won't be aware of so let's start over here so this is the white whale website and you talk about stabilizing prices across the ibc uh talk us through the the problem that white whale is trying to solve how it manif manifests mm -hmm. itself and how you're actually solving it mm -hmm. sure so Let's, let's circle back to this interchain vision of, of multiple chains. So let's say 
we have in the, in the future we have a thousand chains. Let's go, just go with that number. And on a lot of these chains, you will have some form of money markets and liquidity. Because why else would you have the chain? It could be just a DEX, it could be an order book, lending market, stable coins, it could be games, insurance, whatever, but there will be liquidity, otherwise there's no point in, you know, in having a chain. Yeah. And as you have more chains, liquidity tends to get fractured. So you have some Luna on this chain, some Juno on that chain, some Ethereum here, some Bitcoin there. And it, it all gets really messy when you want to, for example, swap a large amount of money, because where do you do it? You do it on one chain, the price changes there, but on the you know, 900 other chains, nothing happens and you get a really bad price. Mm. Or also think about, think about it from the perspective of you issue a token. Let's say you have a stable coin protocol. And what you want to do is you want that stable coin to be out everywhere. Like that's the purpose of such a token. You want it to be used or a yield bearing token from a lending market or liquid staking. token. You want that token out and used. So let's go. We don't even need, need a thousand chains to highlight the problem here. So just think about there are 10 chains and you want your token to be listed and traded on all those 10 chains. So you as the founding team need to have or maintain relations with 10 different DEXs on 10 different chains. Manage liquidity position, manage incentives, mm -hmm. manage the users. It's a nightmare. You can hire somebody just to manage your token listings on different decks. <laughs> so, and that's where, you know, this is all, you know, symptoms of the same problem. Namely, scaling in a multi-blockchain world is hard for developers, for users, for liquidity providers, for everybody. And we're just trying to make things easier here. So think of like, you hit the deposit button and the liquidity is not in one place, but it's in a hundred places. You want to issue a token and have it traded on 10 chains. You just come to us, hey, we want our token on those 10 chains and it's done. That's kind of the direction we're trying to build this. Now, is it is it done by having kind of an, an outpost of White Whale on each of those 10 chains or are you seeding liquidity in other DEXs automatically for them? How does that work? We have our outposts. So again, let me circle back here a little bit. So the White Whale team, we run validators. We are live on 12 mainnet, secure around 15 million in assets as a validator. We built the White Whale interchain protocol. So that's, this is this, you know, the satellite markets and the outposts with the decks and flash loan vaults on different chains. Then we're current contributors and you know, birth givers to the Megaloo blockchain. And we maintain and you know, develop open source MEV solutions. So arbitrage, liquidations, that kind of stuff. Now, back to your question. How does this, you know, making the interchain more scalable and easier work? So this works with our satellite markets. So right now we are live on Injective, Terra, Juno, Comdex, and our favorite meme coin chain, Chihuahua chain. <laughs> and we have a fully functioning DEX on every, of the, every one of those chains. We have flash loans on every one of those chains. And eventually the end goal is to connect them with each other. So it's, it appears as one. Because what I like to use as an example is right now, everybody's, or everybody who's watching this is using some kind of app, 
maybe YouTube. I don't know where you're streaming this, Twitter. And none of the listeners until this point where I mentioned this cared about how does the data come to their laptop. They don't care. They want to watch the video. They don't care what internet protocol stack is at works there or which server where in the world got pinged to send what data. It doesn't matter. You want to use the app. And I think crypto is moving in the same direction where the technology is moving in the background and the user will more interact with really nice and seamless applications that are just great and they want to use it because it provides the highest yield, get best gaming experience, whatever. And at the end of the day, and I promise this in five years of time, no people will think back to this time, oh, you remember this, you know, sending tokens back from chain A to B, nobody will care. Nobody will care because you use apps and it doesn't matter if your tokens are on five, on one or a hundred chains. Yeah, and at the very least in, in the Cosmos, we have the technology to make that seamless, right? You're, you're, you're building that. Um, it might get trickier as you you, you branch outside, uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about the, the model. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Astroport and the model that they have around shared liquidity. Like how is uh, what you all are doing uh, different or similar to what the Astroport team is doing? Mm -hmm. So right now we're talking strictly about the Whitewell protocol. So this has little to do with the, with the MEV solutions or with the validators or with the chain. So the Whitewell application, and it, it does compare with Astroport in a lot of ways. Now, granted Astroport with Delphi and, and us, we're in a different situation, just you know, they're a large venture fund. We're a grassroots team from the community. So there's the first major distinction. And the second one is in the way we plan to distribute the liquidity. So they have their shared liquidity model. We have our, what we call interchain liquidity model. And their works in a, their model works in a way that they predict where the most volume will be. So let's say they are live on two chains, Terra and Injective. They say, all right, 90% of the volume will happen on Injective. So we allocate liquidity according to that. And then they update their prediction and or rebalance the liquidity. That's their model. Our model is based on the free market. So there's nobody, no validators or no off-chain component deciding where to move liquidity. It's the token holders mm. who, using gauge mechanisms, can in, in real time allocate liquidity that's rebalanced. So... Naturally, now that we've discussed the differences, the question arises, why did we choose ours and not theirs? Yeah. And the answer is quite simple because ours is more flexible or to call it differently, we built a super set of theirs. So by adopting our model, we, the token holders can utilize effectively their model if they want to, but they could also do something different. And let me give you a couple of examples where the Astropod model would fail. So... When Terra Classic was collapsing, there was insane volume. Now, by that model of Astroport, you would allocate a lot of liquidity there. But you probably wouldn't want to move liquidity into a collapsing blockchain. So <laughs> that's that. Another example is, let's say a new hot chain is coming up, you know, latest coolest chain in the ecosystem and it's coming right in and we're live there but there's no volume because it's a chicken egg problem right there there's it's a new chain nothing's going on so it, it takes 
You need to make the first step to get something going there. And you can't do this with this, you know, volume prediction model because there's no volume. So the prediction is very low, so no liquidity, so you can't solve the chicken egg problem. With our model, the community or the whale holders can decide, hey, there's a new chain, we want to bootstrap it, we want to you know, kickstart it. So they can allocate liquidity there. And a last example is it opens up the doors for bribes. So think of it like liquidity as a service. So if you want the deepest liquidity in the ecosystem, you could just convince the whale community to give it to you. So you're, you're kind of talking uh, Curve Wars style uh, liquidity. Oh, much more, much more. So Curve Wars is let's allocate incentives. For us, it's, hey, let's move liquidity. I want the deepest stable coin pool. I want the deepest, deepest, I don't know, Atom USDC pool or whatever. I'm going to bribe the whale community to give me that, not incentives. So, so it, it's actually much more crazy than just the curve model. So, so talk me through a, a little bit. At the beginning, you, you had the, the problem statement of, you know, someone's wanting to do a, a large swap. There's going to be, you know, a large amount of slippage because there's not enough liquidity on the, the chain that they're using, even though it might live on a bunch of other chains. Um, and say, I'm this person trying to do that swap. Like, how does it help me at the point that I'm coming to, to swap? Is there a real-time component to it? Or is it more I would need to engage proactively with the, the white whale community and then get the liquidity moved in order to meet that need? So I don't want to make it too technical here, but the end user in a, in a year's time or two years will never interact with liquidity just from a single DEX anymore. Because... Mm -hmm. Let's say you have two DEXs, one on Megaloo, so our chain, and one on Injective with the same pool, naturally. You will always get a better price if you split your swap up in two pieces, swap a little bit there, swap a little bit there, and then aggregate the result back. So the end user eventually will never interact with the DEX again. He will interact with DEX not really aggregators, but more like DEX or swap distributors and liquidity distributors mm -hmm. and aggregators. So at the end of the day, users will not interact with the white whale DEX anymore. And, and we already see this with um, aggregators like TFM and, and others doing this. Um, what's more interesting is really the liquidity part. That's what we're focusing on. So how can users, um, institutions, um, investors, you know, teams building something, manage the liquidity. So it's there where it's needed. And, and that's what we're trying to build here. That's interesting. So you imagine a world where Whitewell is essentially infrastructure for an, an aggregator or a splitter or however you're terming that, that new thing that uses liquidity that you have on multiple different chains. Uh, but then there's also a model where on any given chain in order, you know, for, from, from that chain's perspective, they would want more liquidity. There's a way to kind of shift the liquidity primarily to that chain for whatever other reasons they may have independent of this kind of aggregator concept. Exactly. So we'll, we're building the roads in that sense or an, an analogy I like to give is think of the blockchains as nation states, each having their own ecosystem, their trades, their you know markets and so on. And we're building the aqueduct system between mm -hmm. them. So liquidity can flow on the roads, the highways. So there's movement 
to where it's needed. So instead of say, let's build one mega city where every human lives, so we don't have that problem, let's build a lot of cities and connect them efficiently. That's I love it. Really I love it. So it's it's a very different uh, way of thinking about the world than perhaps the the, the fat protocol thesis or other theses that people have put put forward. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I do want to talk about MEV and some of the other items that you mentioned as well, Megaloo chain for sure. Uh, just want to shout out to folks if you are in chat and you have any questions for Sencom, anything about uh, what well the protocol, the, the the way it's stitched together, kind of building of the aqueducts, uh, pop them in chat. We'd we'd love to to know. Uh, want to say hi to SU who's asking when are we going to get whale cars? <laughs> so I think we're we're waiting for the moon right before that happens. Uh, JG, uh, welcome, great to have you here as well in the show. Um, Akujiro, you're really uh, challenging me, all of you all with uh, uh, really cool names. Uh, I love it. Welcome to the show. Andre here as well, um, who's saying, uh, you know, having a, a good chat uh, with different folks uh, in the chat. Max, Max the Frenchie, kind of adorable. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show as well. Uh, who else have I missed? Uh, Backbone Labs, flags out. Welcome. Uh, great to have you here. <laughs> so everyone is here. So we, we talked quite a bit about the, the decks and liquidity and how that's moving around. Uh, let's talk about Megaloo Chain because I think this is this is one that's completely new, right? So, what is Megaloo Chain? How does it fit into the overall architecture of what you're building? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, a shout out to everybody uh, in the chat. I see a lot of familiar names there. You guys are rock stars, so thank you for coming. Oh man, there's so many, so many <laughs> messages. I have to read them after. So, uh, you guys are rock stars. PFC, one of my my colleagues in the Kajira Senate here. Uh, <laughs> a lot of love. From PFC as well. Sorry, didn't mean to. Panamanian Flower Company. I mean, I had to laugh so hard when I when I read that. It's, it's a great name <laughs> because PFC it sounds so serious, and then Panamanian Flower Company. It's 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 great, man. All right, back to your question. So, Migalu, how does it does it fit into the whole vision? So, you know, this liquidity shifting and moving it needs it needs to be orchestrated from somewhere. You know, this can't just happen just just happen. It needs to be coordinated from somewhere. And that's why we, we needed our own chain. And another thing that we, that we noticed is that it, it can be more than just liquidity as a service. So we're looking right now into, with Alliance, we can potentially build something that's more like security as a service. So think of it like like mesh security or interchain security where you secure different chains. And we're really trying to, to build something like an infrastructure provider chain that can provide you liquidity, security, that can provide you with a DEX, with flash loans, with liquid staking tokens, you know, the whole infrastructure that you need. And we, we've seen this lately, I think in the last two months, my, my DMs have been exploding from new teams that are building their own blockchain right now. And they said, hey, um, Sencom, we would like you to launch there. And I asked them, okay, why? And they say, yeah, we want our own DEX. We want our, we want flash loans. We want liquid staking tokens. And we don't want to build them ourselves. I mean, why reinvent the wheel when you can, can just ping us and we ship it there? And so we're a little bit trying to go with the demand here. And we've seen a lot of demand from, you know, this it's infrastructure as a service, basically. You get liquidity, security, DEX, flash loans, liquid staking terms, and so on. And when you have this base layer of infrastructure that you can utilize, you can actually focus on what you want to build. I mean, there's 
lot of cool stuff to build. So we, we provide the base layer, the roads, and they can build the cars. That's interesting. So, so Megaloo is kind of the, the coordinator for all of these things, kind of the home base, as it were. And then all the exactly. outposts. Exactly. Eventually it, it will, yeah. And, and one thing I really like to highlight um, when it comes to Megaloo, yes. we are the first chain in the cosmos and to the best of my knowledge in whole crypto that achieved cross-chain staking. So let that sink in. So right now we have over, I think, 130,000 Luna tokens staked on Megaloo. And if, if that's not a huge achievement, I don't know what is. Because, you know, we, we've been talking about interchain security and mesh security for so long. And now we got it. <laughs> we got the first cross-chain staking and it's, it, it's insane. So it really opens up so many possibilities and we're still exploring what we can do with it. And right now, if you are a Luna holder, um, grab yourself a bag of AMP Luna or Bone Luna, Eris Protocol and Backbone Labs there are uh, very close partners. Um, move it to Megaloo, stake it there and earn whale. That's crazy. Yeah, so let's dive into a little bit of Alliance because I think uh, people have heard, you know, the Terraform Labs have talked about Alliance. You, you, you mentioned comparisons to mesh, mesh security. Uh, maybe you could break down is it in the simplest terms as possible. Like, what is Alliance? What does it offer? How does it, how does it work? Sure. So Alliance is basically every chain that adopts the Alliance module can whitelist any asset that it likes as a stakeable asset. And that's that's it in a nutshell. So what we did is we we come from with our history, as I said earlier, from from the Terra community. So it wasn't and TFL, you know, the, the Terra team, they developed Alliance. So it was a natural, it was a no brainer to start with Luna. So we got went ahead, whitelisted AMP Luna and Bone Luna. So those are the assets of our partners, Liquid Staking Token. You can now move them over stake them on Megaloo, you earn whale for this. So right now I think the APR is like 40 or 50%. So you, you got your liquid staking token that appreciates just by virtue of being a liquid staking token. And then you have you know the whale emission on top. And, and really the interesting thing here is that there is, and this really makes this thing so interesting, there is a take rate that we have, 1%. So if you put in 100 Luna or Bone Luna today, in a year, you will only have 99 Bone Luna. But this in itself is not a big deal because the, the Bone Luna token is still appreciating against Luna because it's a liquid staking token, right? So you're offsetting a little bit of your staking yield and in return, you get whale, 50%. I mean, you trade 1% of Luna against 50%, it's good. And at the same time, this Luna that we take from you will be distributed to whale stakers. So now you have a token, whale, that earns you whale inflation and that earns you Luna. And eventually it will earn you Injective and Atom, maybe Ethereum, Dot, Avalanche. So you got a token that earns you a basket of assets and it's kind of like a hedge against... Um, or it allows you to, to get exposure to a really wide range of assets. And imagine just staking one token and getting exposure to 50 chains. I mean, that's, 
uh, it's mind-blowing. There are so many possibilities we can go from here. And if you guys are in the audience, I know most of you guys are uh, you know, know White Whale already. I see it in the, in the chat. Um, if you guys have ideas what crazy stuff we can do, go ahead, join the discussion. Um, we have our ideas, but I'm sure there are more. there's more to it. So there's, I mean, there's a lot going on here. So just, just so I fully understand, when you, when you come into Megaloo Chain, you can bring your B Luna or your Amp Luna, you can stake it. The take rate that you mentioned is essentially the cost of participating in this ecosystem and earning the additional whale rewards. And so, you know, you said 1%, you know, 1% of your Amp Luna is going to be taken and then you're going to get whale rewards uh, for it. So you're kind of diversifying the, the Amp Luna or the B Luna that you have. Um, and then as a someone completely independently who is just staking whale, you're getting a portion of those rewards as well. So you're distributing it to the community. Uh, one thing that yeah. I'm curious here is you mentioned a comparison to mesh, mesh security. How does this mm -hmm. help the security of the chain? Like, like how does someone bringing Amp Luna to Megaloo support the security of Megaloo? Okay, let, let me give you the whole picture here. So we have three um, security solutions, if you want to call them. Um, in our scope. And the first differentiator is one of them is live, two aren't. So Alliance is live, the rest isn't. Interchain security, it is, think of it like, hey, let's rent a validator set. That's it. You don't have your own validators, you rent them. If you want this, okay. If you want to keep your chain sovereign and have the community you know, control the chain, then that's not for you. So interchain yeah. security is Rent and this is the concept that, that the Cosmos Hub has launched where I think it's Neutron and a couple others will basically say, hey, we're not going to run our own validators. We'll let Cosmos run the validators, inherit mm -hmm. the economic security of, you know, N billion dollars market cap in Cosmos. And it's great. Focus on something else. But you're not sovereign at that point, as you say. Exactly. And um, if, you, if there's anybody here in the audience or watching this video who ever wants to build your chain and use interchain security, um, we also offer this. So if, if you guys want to use interchain security, you can also come to us. Um, we're happy to add this to our tech stack and you could be a consumer chain of Migle. So that being said, that's the first one. Second one, mesh security. Mesh security, the idea is you have a native token like Whale and you stake it to different chains at the same time. So you would stake it to Terra Injective and Megaloo at the same time. That's the idea of mesh security. Now, there, there are a couple of problems with this. For example, as you add more chains, the slashing risk accumulates, hmm. right? So if you have 100 chains, you, you might get slashed every day. So that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but still, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And um, again, so um, we're, we're in conversation with the Osmosis team to also add funding to the development um, process. And eventually we will also adopt this because neither, so Alliance, Mesh and Interchain Security, they're not mutually exclusive. They all have their bells and whistles, their pros and cons. And um, if you utilize them correctly, they can work together really great. So you said but, something that yeah. that's challenging my brain there because I, I'd always thought that uh, Interchain Security and Mesh Security were kind of either or, you know, it was kind of evolution of them. If you're renting validators from another chain like the Cosmos Hub, uh, why would you then stake your token to a bunch of other different chains if you already had that security? Well, I, I think as a consumer chain, 
you don't need mesh security, but as a provider chain. So the cost, so let's say mm-hmm. the, the Cosmos Hub has five consumer chains and Megalo has six. You know, let's let's be ambitious here. You know, there Megalo is securing its chain, its baby chains, and the Cosmos Hub is securing its chains. But the Cosmos Hub and Megalo, they could secure each other. So think of it more like clusters. So you have the Megalo cluster and the, the Cosmos cluster, and in, in itself, they secure each other with, with Alliance, with um, interchain security, and then you can, the clusters can secure each other with mesh security, for example. Oh, alliance, very interesting. So it's, it's, it's sort of like states and then countries, um, and then- Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool, that makes sense. We've got a, a comment here from Okajiro who says, Megalo is the autobahn. <laughs> so not necessarily just a road, but the ultimate road. <laughs> Uh, we did also have a question from PFC asking about Bone Chihuahua Alliance. <laughs> so, anything in the works there from a roadmap perspective? <laughs> well, I, I can't share details, but um, I mean, everybody in the team or most of members in the team, they read social media. So um, we know what the community, what the community likes. Um, maybe quick update why we haven't, we haven't listed any new assets. So this is cutting edge technology. Again, I'm not aware of any other team, you know, having cross-chain staking live. So we're taking it slow, looking at how the market adopts it, what you know, trying to get in some data. So we're not just like poking in the dark. We want to do data-driven decisions, and for that we need data, and for data we need time. So that's why we've we've done our initial push. We're collecting data from. Amp, Luna, and Bone Luna, and now we're waiting a little bit to settle things. You know, it, it's also, you know, we we had to rush our front end, so we're just wrapping things up there, make it nice and polished. So we we pushed really hard, and now we're trying to, you know, secure the land we conquered, and then it's time for the next push. Uh, what have you if noticed? That, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's not everything all at once, right? You need to be somewhat considered. Uh, what have you noticed in the data so far um, that you may be able to share already since launch? I think it's been a few weeks, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's been two two and a half weeks, I think. Um, it was surprisingly fast that so I was expecting way less Luna to be moved. So I was surprised by the the velocity of Luna flowing in. And this was partly due to the positive price impact because obviously, you know, the higher the whale price, the more, the higher the APR is and the more Luna can be consumed on Megalu. So um, it was a lot more than, than I was expecting. So I thought around you know, 20,000 Luna in a month, that was my conservative estimation. And now we're at 120,000 Luna. So that's way more. Um, However, the APR is still way too high. So right now it's a net loss. If you, if you think of it in pure dollar terms, so the, the Luna stakers get more dollar value than the whale stakers right now. If you could just look at, the, look at it in isolation, but this is not focusing or um, not factoring in um, the things, the side effects that this brings, for example, um, as we have pioneered, you know this this alliance. Uh, I think we have a very good standing, and also due to our history in the Luna community. So, if uh, or 
you know, once, it's not an if, it's once, Terra adopts Alliance and, and starts to whitelist assets, I think Whale is a prime candidate to be the first one because just we made the first step and now you know it's, it's their time. So um, once the time comes, uh, I encourage everybody uh, listening to this, everybody in our community, in the Luna community to um, vote in favor of that. And then it gets interesting because then people can stake whale on Luna and then it's not really a net loss for anybody anymore because it's just a give and take. And also there's, um, we have to see, once we launch our decks on Migaloo, we have to see how much additional economic activities generated by the movement of assets. And that has to be factored in because eventually the movement, the, the trading activity, the flash loan volume on our DEXs will be used to buy back whale from the open market. So that allows us to, like, like a company, you know, run a loss in, in one part to make a net profit in another part. And we just have to see how this all plays out here. Um, but right now it, it's, it's looking very, very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me that you've got this suite of products and we need to talk about MEV as well. And then completely separate from that, you have this new way of thinking about security for the chain. And the, the, this idea that you can bring additional value through these alliances that, that you've created. Now, some folks might be listening along thinking, this all sounds fantastic. Uh, how do I start? So if someone's getting started with this, uh, where do they go to get started? Where do you go to get started? Um, depends on... If, if you just want to learn about it, then I think the best way is to watch YouTube videos like this, um, listen to Twitter spaces. We have a community call every Thursday. Join those, join the discussion um, on Telegram, on Discord, wherever you are. Um, that's a great way to get active in the community and understand the vision of what we're trying to build here. Um, if it's more about getting active in the protocol and in the ecosystem, so there, right now, there are three places you want to check out, or four, let's call it four, which is app.whitewell.money. This is the interchain application where you can trade LP, take flash loans on, on the different chains, maybe. So there, there's really a drop-down button on the website, and you can select your chain. And so if you go to app on the, on the top right, um, you can select your chain. So right now, it's Luna. It could be, you know, could be anything you like. So that's the first place you want to be. Um, then app.migaloo.zone. Yep, that's the page for staking Alliance assets. And I don't know if we push the update today, but it, it will also be used uh, within the next days to stake whales. So this will be your one-stop dashboard for managing your stake on Migaloo. Then we have Eris Protocol. This is our strategic partner and also ecosystem partner, not only on Migaloo, but also on different chains. They provide liquid staking tokens and automation tools and stuff like that. Exactly, you can interact with Migaloo, but also if you use the product, um, value flows you know, to a certain extent back to, back to whale holders. And then um, last but not least, there is Backbone Labs, exactly with the grave diggers. And again, they have this drop down menu. And you see, this is what I meant with more teams deciding to go interchain and going or ride the whale, more teams riding the whale. So we provide really the base layer, decks, flash loans, and then other teams think, hey, I can build something on top there, something that makes sense, like NFTs, liquid staking tokens, automations. And Backbone Labs and Eris, they're really the, the most 
uh, innovative DeFi teams, NF DeFi NFT teams that I know of. And, and yeah, so Backbone Labs as well, ecosystem partner, both on Megaloo and also um, present on all of our satellite markets building with us. And this is where you want to start. Those are the addresses um, to get your hands dirty. And again, it, it's a really fresh and young ecosystem. We just launched the chain two months ago. So it might be a little rough around the edges, but join the community and um, you'll find a lot of helpful and very motivated and active users. Awesome. No, that's great. And, and if you're watching this uh, later on, I'm going to put links to all of these in the description down below. So you'll be able to find, you know, White Whale, Megaloo, Backbone Labs, and Eris as well to kind of explore some of those. You know, again, this is frontier, uh, the, the edge of the frontier from technology perspective. So there are a lot of risks uh, related to it. So just make sure that you you understand those risks. Maybe this is a good point to, to ask you, Sencom, like what are the risks that people should be uh, considering as they're thinking, gosh, this alliance sounds awesome. I'd like to get involved. Like what are the risks? So Alliance, I'd say, is one of the more secure things you can do because there's, for example, no impermanent loss. You're not pooling your tokens with anything. Um, so it's just like a lending, for example. It's just you put in one asset and you get yield on this. Um, so what are the risks? So the standard risk applies. So it's you know, cutting edge technology. There could be errors in IBC. So in the interoperability protocol, there could be bugs on Megaloo in general or in Terra on gen in general, or there could be specific bugs in Alliance. But even though it's cutting edge stuff, we're trying to do our best to um, you know, get it as secure as possible. So all of our code is audited and um, you know, we, we, we can't cross out any risk. You never can. I mean, you still see hundreds of million of exploits on Ethereum you know, every other week. Um, you never can cross out the risk totally, but we're doing our best to minimize it. I think PFC is trolling us in the chat here. <laughs> so he's asking <laughs> when you can secure Megaloo with T-bills. Uh, I'm assuming the answer to that is uh, when Gary Gensler steps down. No. <laughs> yeah, Gary, I mean, let, let's not talk about US politics here. Although I was talking to a guy from Texas, you know, an hour ago, and you know, I, I freaking love Texas. You know, if you're from Texas and you listen to this, I love this. Yep, me. I'm place. from Texas. You are? <laughs> yeah, that's where How I am. How many right guns now. do you have at home? Um, is the FBI watching? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Texas, it's legal, I guess, right? Yeah, so, so more than one, less than 100. Let's just give a range. <laughs> good, <laughs> good. I, I freaking love Texas. It's, it's great. But well, let's stick to topics. So, <laughs> so no T bills. I'm not interested, interested in, in T bills. I'm sorry. Um, um, dollar maxis. Bitcoin, on the other hand, that's that's interesting. Um, we have to, as a community, um, do some you know digging into economic effects this might have if this is a, you know can evolve into a net positive or it will be net negative. But I, I mean, consider if, if you list an asset as Alliance asset, the whale stakers will earn it, and I I like Bitcoin and I would like to earn Bitcoin mm. with staking whale. So. Uh, my my doors are open for uh, good ideas how to you know, yeah I think that the, the challenge is you product. you don't really have the equivalent of an amp Bitcoin or a uh, you know bone Bitcoin that's actually earning so someone would have to be giving you their Bitcoin no. in exchange no. for whale to to make that work. Um, let's talk about yeah, MEV. Exactly. 
So uh, tell us what is MEV, and I'm curious your opinion on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, something the ecosystem should strive to eliminate. Uh, yeah, give us a ph philosophy on it and a description of MEV. Mm -hmm. So the naming of MEV has changed over the past. It started as minor extractable value because it used to be the miners extracting value, but now it's more like maximum extractable value. That's how people name it. And the idea is there's activity on a blockchain, like there's trading, lending, and so on. How can a malicious actor extract value from you, the user? That's the idea. That's why it's called maximum extractable value. So taking money from somebody else without, you know, breaking something. And there are, there are a bunch of ways to do this. Um, some of them are bad. So for example, if you do a trade and I control the block, I could buy to increase the price before you execute your trade and then sell it right after. So this is called sandwiching and it, it essentially takes money from you. That's bad MEV. Then there is what, what a lot of people call is good MEV, where you don't extract value from users, but from inefficiencies. So let's say there's, there's two DEXs, there's um, Astroport and there is WhiteWeb. And there's cheap whale on white whale and expensive whale on Astroport. So you can buy low and sell high, right? You're not taking money away from anybody. You're just, there's an inefficiency in the market and you extract the value out of that. That's good MAV. Or think about, you know, there's a lending protocol with a bad debt position and you, know, you don't want the protocol to go insolvent. So you liquidate the position. Also good MAV. And you, you can do those things. And, and those things, by the way, so arbitrage and liquidations, these two are um, the most prominent good MEV things you can do. And lending protocols, they haven't been too interesting in the cosmos because chain APR is so high, you, you just stake your token. So why would you lend out your token if you can get 25% APR on your atom, you know, it doesn't make sense. But with, with the emergence of liquid staking tokens, where you can lend out liquid staking tokens that are auto-componing staking reward, it's getting more interesting. So liquidations a little bit, you know, just starting to appear in the cosmos, but arbitrage, that's really, really, really going, going hot and active. And we support this in a, in a bunch of ways. So first of all, we have our DEXs on the different chains, right? And these DEXs, they usually there's a second set of DEXs on that chain, like Juno Swap on, on Juno or Helix on Injective. So you can trade between our DEX and whatever DEXs are in the local ecosystem. That creates volume, the stabilized prices, everybody's happy, you know, more volume, more fees, more users, you know, the positive feedback circle. And one of the things we notice is that you know arbitrage it's it's a hard game and you usually need a lot of money and knowledge so we decided to build an open source arbitrage bot that everybody can use and they can just plug and play this and it just runs and if it spots some a you know, positive or, or opportunity it takes it and you don't even need any capital because we mm -hmm. have flash loans on all of our chains and the bot uses them so you just configure it right you hey, bot, watch these pools and watch those pools. And if the bot sees something, it takes the flash loan. 
takes whatever money it needs, trades, puts back the money from the flash loan, and you pocket the money. So this sounds great to me as far as, you know, you're a developer, there's some tooling that you could use to, to do this. Uh, what's to stop 100 different uh, arbitrage bots all finding it out? I mean, if it's, if it's that easy to create. Nothing, and, and that's what happens. That, that's what happens. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the, the whale holders still win. So think of it like we're, we're bringing our DEXs and our flash loans and our, our partners like Backbone Labs, we're bringing this product suit to different chains. And sometimes there are not many users, but the bots, they always work. Mm. So they always trade, lend, liquidate, you know, take flash loans. And you know, every activity that is happening on any of our satellite markets will be used so there's a fee taken from every swap, from every flash on. And that will be used to buy back whale from the open market every day at 15 UTC. So that's something that we're really excited about. So for those of you who are listening, you get the, get the, um, the pleasure of getting some alpha. So we got, we got everything ready. And this week you will be able to bond your amp whale and bone whale on the first satellite market. And yeah, so this product will ship this week. So um, we're everybody in the team is pretty excited about that. That's fantastic. And, so great, great that you're here at TF first. Uh, if you enjoy that, <laughs> hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, do all the YouTube things. Um, let's, let's talk a bit about uh, kind of MEV in, in terms of how it impacts whale stakers. You said every single piece of that activity that happens is a tiny portion that'll come back to, to people who have whale who are staking whale. Um, maybe this is a good spot to talk about the whale token itself and, and what that mm -hmm. means, the tokenomics of whale token. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, run us mm -hmm. through all of that. Mm -hmm. Sure. So the whale token, it, it origins at the, at the Megaloom blockchain. So initially we had a total supply of 1 billion. We decided to cut it down by 400 million. So now it's only 600 million tokens. Um, but still everybody who hold whale and Terra Classic and bought it there, he got, still got their one-to-one -one reimbursement. So we just, you know, 40% increased everybody's holding. So that was, I think, was well appreciated by the community. And back in the days we had just a, an application. So the tokenomics of an application and a layer one chain, they differ, they need to differ. Otherwise you're doing something wrong. So what you need as an ecosystem is you need inflation. So hear me out here. I'm not talking about hyperinflating like some of the Cosmos ecosystem chains do. And again, I don't want to talk shit about, you know, Cosmos builders, but nobody seems to nail tokenomics, mm -hmm. at least in the slightest. It's tokenomics are shit in the Cosmos. They're terrible. It's just, <laughs> Those are hey, let's words. make a token. It's ridiculous. You know, they're putting in so much effort to build cool products, cool websites, cool smart contracts, cool chains, everything. And then I'm like, yeah, let's just do a token and just boom, 10,000 APR, lol. It's, I, I don't know what's got into their mind, but it's, it's bad. It's horrendously bad. Um, so, but you still need inflation. So that's true. So you need inflation because inflation increases the velocity of the token. And when you're building an economy, you don't want everybody to huddle. You, you want activity, you want lending, trading, games, gambling, you want everything. 
But if everybody's just sitting tight on their stack of cash in their basement, nothing's happening. So you need to increase the velocity of the money and you do this by adding a very low and predictable inflation. That's why we have a 4% base inflation on Migalu. We don't have any intentions to, to change this um, as of now. So there's a very low predictable inflation, but everybody knows this, there's no dilution. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's very, just very small inflation. And that inflation leads to, you know, more economic activity. And, you know, the standard set of Cosmos chains applies. So it's, it's, you can use it for governance, for staking. Um, but here's also already this, the first difference. We talked about Alliance and Alliance allows you to earn different assets. So you got this normal token that appreciates in, 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 or in, gets some inflation. And now it also earns you this basket of assets. So with our partners like Backbone Labs, we encourage users to not stake natively on the chain, but to use um, their bone whale token. Because now you, you capture this dynamic, you know, this inflation, the voting rights, securing the chain, alliance assets, you capture that in a liquid staking token, and you can move that around, increase velocity again, and bring the activity. So this is the chain. So you got this liquid staking token with all the you know, with all these properties, and now we have the white whale interchain application with our satellite markets from Injective to Comdex, and there's economic activity there. There's trading, and we encourage this activity right with our bots, with users. There's flash loans that are being taken. There's swaps being done, and a portion of that fee is set aside. And every day at 15 UTC, and this is the product that, that I just talked about, every day at 15 UTC, they, all these fees will be aggregated on the local satellite market and buy back whale from the open market. Now you can move your liquid staked whale, like bone whale, to any satellite market you like, like Injective. Bond it there and then receive the real yield from the satellite market. And eventually, um, we will also introduce two burning mechanisms, one on Megaloo, so we will um, you know, aim to burn the transaction fees, and we'll also burn a part of the satellite trading and flash loan volume. And th this allows us to do something really, really crazy that you can't do in normal economic systems. This allows us to create an inflationary token, you know, 4% inflation, where that gives you all the positive benefits of you know, increasing the movement of money, eco fostering ecosystem growth, and so on. And also, so you've got the inflationary properties there, but what we're trying to achieve here at the, in the end state of this economic model or economic system is to make the total supply deflationary. So the goal is with our chain, the transaction activity, with the activity on our satellite markets, we want to burn more whale then is emitted by the inflation, but you still get the inflation and this is the catch. So mm. you stake your tokens and your stack grows while the total supply decreases. And if this is not the very definition of the most apex asset there is in existence, I don't know what is. I think the and Ethereum folks would call it uh, ultrasound money. Exactly, exactly. It, it was inspired by them. But the difference is, so they only only 
have the transaction fee burn on their chain. So they burn part of the transaction fees. We're doing this, this as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're likely going for burning 100% of the transaction fees. So that, that should you know, kickstart this even further. And, but also we have our satellite markets with uh, one second, please. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> and just so you know, this, this is live. Um, so, you know, Sencom's dropped just a ton of wisdom on us here, uh, just to unpack a little bit of what he said. So we talked a bit about uh, the ability that they'll have to bond uh, your, your assets to a different chain, and then to earn some of that real yield that happens from that chain. We're talking right now about the, the, the monetary policy, essentially, which is both inflationary and potentially deflationary mm. at the same time. Um, now, there's probably a Bitcoin maxi in the audience watching this saying, hold on, that doesn't sound like sound money. That, that, that sounds like exactly what the government's doing with fiat. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about why you chose this model and not a model that had a, a set number of tokens and, and kind of fixed supply? Yeah, great question. I like to talk about this. Um, so to understand what we're doing, let's talk about what the government is doing. So the government, it's like a close club of big boys, which they control the multi-sig, they control the and they print whatever money they like. And then whatever money they print, they give it to them. Oh, is the camera working here? I think there might be a little bit of a, a connection problem, but I can hear um, you now. Yeah, it looks like. Um, is it working now? Uh, I think you're back. Yeah, I can see you and hear you. Okay, great. So what is the, the government or you know, fiat banks? You know, what are they doing? So they're printing money like shit. They give it to their friends and their friends give it to their friends and everybody's making money and everybody in this chat here is not on the friend list. You guys are the last to get money. In fact, you don't get any money. You get to bail out the bank. You pay for it. So yeah, we, get, we get the taxes. <laughs> yeah, you get the taxes, right? And they just print the money to pay the taxes, which you know, it's ridiculous. Um, so no, it, it's completely different to, to what the government is doing. So what you, know, what you can do here is really think about having an asset that inflates, but the total supply is deflationary. So there couldn't be any stronger properties in an asset um, like this because you got the deflation. So you want to sit tight and really, you know, hold dear to your assets because you know, the longer you hold, the less there will be. But you also know, hey, I, I can use the money and it makes me even more. And this is really new economic territory. I think where, you know, we have to do a lot of research on, on, what the implications really are for an ecosystem. And um, yeah, like you mentioned Ethereum, so we will do the same burning fees. Um, I, I think Ethereum is not burning all of it, but we will try to burn the whole transaction fees and then burn the revenue from the satellite markets. And that's really, I think, a. am not aware of a lot of um, products or projects in, in the ecosystem that have such a, yeah, both complex, but also ambitious um, vision of doing things. So you have the chains, you have the apps, but you don't have something that's trying to, you know, build some, like build something around it all, you know, the whole yeah. you know, capture this interchain vision and build something truly unique. 
I don't think there's, I'm not aware of it, at least of many projects. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like, I know when uh, we first started talking, I was, I was very excited to have this discussion because there are so many things that y'all are doing that I haven't seen anywhere else. And I've, I've scoured quite a few blockchains to see what they're all doing. Uh, let's talk a bit about your roadmap. So what's coming up over the next three mm -hmm. to six months for White Whale, for Megaloo? Sure. So let's start with Megaloo. So naturally, we're going to continue developing the chain, new features on the chain, more on the technical side. If mesh security comes out, we'll likely adopt that. If there's interest from, you know, chains to be a consumer chain on Megaloo, we'll do that. Um, we will list more alliance assets and we will try to grow the ecosystem. So right now we have Backbone Labs, Ares, and us there, but we're in conversation with a lot of different teams. So Backbone Labs, they just, they have their grant proposal up to receive a grant to build NFT marketplaces and an NFT product suit. They will kickstart things. So we're trying to grow the ecosystem. Remember, this is only two months old. Yeah. Um, so that's from Migaloo. For white whale, we have um, this buyback mechanism that we call bonding. Um, that's going to be shipped this week and rolled out over the next month, so chain by chain. Um, then obviously we still need to ship incentives so we can attract meaningful liquidity. And then the cherry on top of the cake, you know, while we're expanding to new chains like Neutron, say Archway, while we're growing horizontally, um, we're trying to nail down this, this interchain liquidity. That's really, that's going to be the game changer that just unites the liquidity, provides an easy interface to it all to manage it. And, you know, if um, until that point, you know, people haven't realized what we're building after that, um, their eyes will be opened. Um, so that's our roadmap roughly. That's, that's pretty exciting stuff that's coming up here. Uh, we had a question from DeFi Geek who's asking, how many audits have you had? And I guess the question behind that is, uh, what's the quality of those audits and how do you kind of guarantee that the auditors are actually doing their job? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, so we have longstanding relationships with you know, the best auditors in the ecosystem, including SCV and Oak Security. And our code has been audited by both multiple times. So in fact, we just finished our last audit last week um, published it again because we had some new code additions like um, stable swap pools and you know, a bunch of technical stuff. Um, so our code is audited. Uh, we have a very good relationship with auditors. We have very rigorous um, quality assurance internally. And if something slips through, we also have a bug bounty program to um, get the interest of white hat hackers. Awesome. So is, is all your code uh, open source right now? Our smart contracts are open, our chain is open, our front end is open, and our bots is are open. Do you have any concerns that someone could effectively just fork all the work that you've done and, and kind of run it, like the, the Osmosis folks or someone else in the cosmos who would benefit from all the things that you've, you've got? Or is, is that not a concern? Well, they can fork the coke. They're invited to fork the code and do whatever they, they want with it. But what they can do is they can't fork the community. They can't fork the liquidity and they can't fork our partners. You know, there's only one PFC and I don't <laughs> think just because someone forks it, um, he'll uh, work with them. So uh, I think no, that's I'm fair. I think you, you're building a moat in different places other than the code and open sourcing. So you can do things like bug bounties and, and allow people to come through. Um, 
we've been talking now for just over an hour and, and I, I don't want to keep you here all day, even though this is tremendously fascinating, but I did want to give you an opportunity. If there's something that maybe we haven't covered through this conversation that you think, gosh, you, you really wish we'd have a chance to get to, uh, what is that? Mm. No, I, th I think we covered it. I'm, I'm happy. Awesome. Well, I have had a great time. I've learned a lot through this conversation. Thank you, everyone who was in here following along in, in chat. Um, a lot of great questions, a lot of great comments. You all are just, uh, <laughs> you crack me up. I'm, I'm reading along here, trying not to laugh at everything that you're saying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you've been great. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have enjoyed content like this, please do pop a like, uh, subscribe. We, we interview a lot of founders, you know, within the cosmos, uh, outside of the cosmos as well, uh, and have conversations where we try and make it accessible and, you know, let you get to know the people who are building the awesome tools. Uh, Sencom, thank you so much. And I hope that we'll have another chance to do this sometime soon. I hope so as well. So thank you very much for having me. Thanks everybody who joined this, this live stream. I really enjoyed reading your comments. Make sure to um, retweet this or share it on whatever social media you're on so it gets the exposure you deserve. And Vanessa, again, thank you very much. Um, pleasure talking to you. Awesome.